Hi and welcome to Life Beat. I'm your host Anna Visser and today Emily is joining me. Hello, hello. No Chris. No Chris. He is sick. It's just going to be us two today and we're going to be talking about some pretty important things that have happened this week. Um, we're going to be talking about the March for Life that's happening today and then we're going to end it with things pro boards say. Yay! Such fun! <laughs> um, the march, by the time this goes out, the march will be over. Yes. But as we are recording, the march will be in about an hour and a half. So, yeah, it's it's always a good time, but that's coming up later. First, let's uh, start out with the meeting to end all boring, tense, awkward meetings. Six-hour-long meetings. Oh, goodness. We love them. So, what day was that? Wednesday, the Board of Canvassers met to approve the language of the pro-abortion coalition that filed the ballot proposal. So, the Board of Canvassers had to approve the, the hundred words that would be put on the ballot that is a summary of the ballot. Well, the petition. So yes. it, the language could change before the ballot because it's all very confusing and complicated. But basically, on the front of every petition that goes around in the state of Michigan, there's a 100-word summary of whatever it is that the petition is about. So in this case, it's the, constitu the, the proposed constitutional amendment uh, for the state of Michigan that would legalize a whole host of all sorts of crazy things. Um, abortion, but ultimately, abortion on demand. Abortion on demand through nine months of pregnancy, sterilization, um, weird things like miscarriage care, which that's already completely illegal. It would illegal. basically get rid of all of our pro-life laws in Michigan. Yes. Essentially. And, and we talked about it before, parental consent, mm -hmm. taxpayer, it, get rid of parental consent, get rid of our ban against taxpayer-funded abortion. So this meeting that took place with the Board of Canvassers, um, usually they don't end up taking six hours, I have been told. <laughs> um, we were not expecting it to take no, six hours. No, we weren't. Um, but as you can probably imagine, it's a very tense issue um, with, with a lot of emotions flying on both sides. Um, so after... A few recesses and some pretty intense debate and back and forth between lawyers. Um, the language was approved, the 100-word summary. Um, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, does it fully express what they will have as the amendment and reflect the language of that? No. No. <laughs> um, so we're going to have a lot of... As expected. Yeah, a lot of work educating, um, getting the word out about what is actually going to be written on the back side of that petition page. But I think, and Anna, you could probably agree, that the most interesting thing about the meeting was not how long it took, but who showed up to support the the constitutional amendment yes we were we were all a bit surprised and kind of confused <laughs> um we kind of figured that there would be more people there you know in pink shirts and pink hats 
um, supporting the the petition, but there was only a couple couple ladies there. Yes. So and. For people who follow pro-life causes and issues, normally when there's something as monumental as a proposed amendment to the Michigan Constitution, there's a lot of people there with signs, mm -hmm. pink hats, pink shirts, they're my body, my choice slogans, things like that. You know, I will say over the years, though, they've definitely died down. They have. And there's maybe a couple of them that are really loud, but as far as... Numbers definitely decreased. Yeah, so it was strange. We kept looking around as the meeting progressed. We're thinking, well, it's the third one on the agenda. Are they going to be coming in? Do they have someone sitting and waiting to send text messages because they're too impatient to sit through this very long meeting? Um, but they just, they never came. And mm. the, only, the only women who showed up to speak before the board in support of the petition and to get the, the pro-abortion, obviously pro-abortion language on. Um, kindly speaking, they were, they were not <laughs> women who would ever be able to have a child at this point in their life. Emily said that we had to say that they were above childbearing age, even though I had other suggestions because they were significantly older than us. Yes. So the optics... Approximately, I would say, 90 years old. Which made the optics really interesting because the women who were there supporting the, the pro-life side were... There were a few of us, all of childbearing age, you could say. Um, we didn't get up and speak on it because, well, obviously the board was getting tired of sitting there for so many hours and we didn't want to drag it out and have any kind of prejudice that way but the women who got up to spoke in in favor of abortion with glowing words that women need their rights none of them would be affected by any pro-life if there was an abortion ban like if Roe v. Wade well, fell tomorrow, none of them would have their life affected because they you know and can't. they might have gone up there and said oh this Petition is so great, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they think. Like, we're not talking about the proposal. We're just talking about the language. And yeah. so it was like, maybe that's why a lot of people didn't come because they were they knew something was going to be approved. But it was like I don't know. It was it it was interesting, and I think it kind of shows on a broader scale what what this issue has kind of come down to where you see and especially recent polling shows that 71 percent of americans are in favor of more restrictions on abortions um younger people tend to have want restrictions after 15 winks is becoming very popular but especially millennials and and generation z who are coming up and and are doing these polls now are saying well we're not in favor of unlimited abortion for any reason through nine months of pregnancy we want limits and 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 safety measures and so this petition and and the um women there supporting the the constitutional amendment are just out of touch with reality um so also supporting 
especially for them when they were here for pre-row and they are probably the ones that are like so many back alley abortions were happening and it was awful we need to put like restrictions on it and protections and protect these women you would think that they would look at this and say so basically this is going to legalize back alley abortions and get rid of like all the work that we've done to make sure that they're safe and rare and legal. I know it is interesting because they were there supporting a, a amendment that would make it legal for any medical professional and I'm using my little bunny ears air quotes here because it doesn't define what a medical professional is. Does that mean a nutritionist can perform an abortion? A, a nurse? A nurse, an acupuncturist, a, like, what is our, what's our definition of a medical professional who can perform an abortion? <laughs> well, a nurse tech, a pharmacy technician. Like, are we going to allow the janitor at the hospital who works at a hospital, could we say they are a medical professional? There is no definition mm -hmm. in this thing. And so it would mean that you are opening just, up the doors for unsafe well, abortion. It also takes away all restrictions that... We have tried to place on abortion to make them more safe. Inspections at mm -hmm. abortion facilities, licensure, um, gone. Just basically opening up the wild, wild west of abortion once again. Public school abortion policies. Mm -hmm. All the things that we, you know, we couldn't do much to get rid of abortion completely, but we at least tried to make it so there was restrictions and it was, I don't know, we... You know, and, those and, laws and were there. And just try. Very successful. Michigan has one of the most robust sets of pro-life laws in the nation. So one example that I, I like to bring up is um, recently born alive abortion survivors legislation protection has, has come up. It came up federally, but a lot of states have started adopting it. And then you look at Michigan's law and was like, oh, we did that and the late 1980s, um, taxpayer-funded abortion, 1988 is when we did that. Parental consent, informed consent, all of these are laws on the Michigan books that other states are starting to catch up with, but it, not not to pack, pat ourselves on the back and say, well, rest on our laurels, but Michigan's pro-life movement has worked diligently for 50 years and come up with a robust set of life-affirming laws that protect women and children and they would all be gone according to this new constitutional amendment they're trying to make. So it's, it's interesting. We're going to see what comes out of this in the future. The 100-word summary is approved. They still have to come back and get the um, petition pages approved at the board. That will probably happen. Um, I believe they said their next meeting was February 11th. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. I think that's what I heard. It's somewhere around that time. So it'll probably be full approval for their petition, like the actual physical sheets that they can hand out at the beginning of February, which means they could be out with their circulators um, by the end of next month collecting signatures. And it is a constitutional amendment. They need 425,000 valid signatures. Um, that A valid signature is by a Michigan resident who is registered to vote and signs the petition according to in the in the county where they are registered to vote. 
So there's, there's interesting rules um, about petition drives, but we're going to see what happens. We're going to do everything we can uh, to make sure this constitutional amendment does not happen here in Michigan and that we protect the babies who can't protect themselves. Speaking of, speaking of for these babies that can't protect themselves, <laughs> the March for Life is happening, I think, at 1, so a little over an hour. It's happening today, or it yes. has already happened by the time you listen to this. Yes. So happening today at 1. There's obviously more events and speakers and stuff, um, but there's also a lot of local marches and memorials that are happening all throughout this weekend so if you can't make it to the march for life in dc then go to our website we have an events page that lists all of the different local affiliates events yes because so today is the 49th annual march for life which of course happens on the anniversary of roe v wade has happened every year since Roe v. Wade. So the first march was in 1974 on the one year anniversary. The anniversary of Roe v. Wade is actually tomorrow on the 22nd, um, but the march is today. And then on Sunday is going to be Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And there's um, going to be a ton of events for that as well. Mm -hmm. and, ton, and a lot of churches are going to be having um, services where they talk about the, the importance of the unborn and, and, and protecting life. And so it really is a, it's a fun and exciting time um, for anyone who is pro-life. It's a time to get out, be with other people who are pro-life. And um, the marches around the state are probably not going to draw the crowd that is gathering right now in Washington, D.C. They will probably have hundreds of thousands. Oh, yeah. Um, local marches are usually lucky to have 100 or 150. <laughs> Um, but the more people we get out, uh, the better it's going to be. Show Michigan, show your town, show show your county that that Michigan values life, um, and that it's been 49 years, and it's and been. And we're a, tired, and we're fed up. <laughs> we're not going to take it anymore. No. I'm singing that song in my head, um, but we're tired, but we're not going to give up. No. And with the Supreme Court holding on to their decision so far in Dobbs v. Jackson. This could be the end of Roe v. Wade, which will be a time of outstanding celebration all around the country. Yes. Um, and will there be a March for Life next year? Probably, although it might turn into a celebration. Well, I heard some people were speculating that they're going to they were gonna do a march in June because that's when people think they're gonna release their decision. They could release it at any point. They though. could release it at any point, but people think it's likely that the justices will release their decision in June because that's the end of their annual term. And so, you know, I've heard people say, we're maybe we'll have a march in June and celebrate them overturning it and not have one in January, or maybe they'll have both, or I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, at this point it's all speculation. Yes. But um, just because Roe v. Wade might get overturned, um, if it does, when it does, because if this isn't the case, we're going to come back. We're going to keep fighting, we're going to keep marching, we're going to keep speaking up for the unborn. 
um, because uh, the pro-abortion group is not going to go away. And this will probably be a long struggle um, for many years to come until we get a human life amendment in the U.S. Constitution. That will be the end game. Um, but for now, it's going to be securing pro-life laws in each of the 50 states and, and building from there. So um, it's, it's always, it's been a long struggle, 49 years. I am fortunate that I have not been a part of it for 49 years um, <laughs> because I was not yet born. But it, the next generation coming up, and Anna, you and I are, are part of this. It's, you know, the, the original people who were there fighting for life have unfortunately started passing away. Um, especially here, um, we have a lot of people at Right to Life of Michigan who started out with the Voices for the Unborn back in 1967, um, first getting on the ground and, and fighting against what was then a proposal to put a law in to repeal Michigan's abortion ban and put in a new law uh, that would allow abortion, which failed by a supermajority. Um, but that, that crowd has, they've started leaving us mm -hmm. um, to go to greener pastures, better shores, um, and we're working to get the next group of people in here. So they have left us a legacy, and we've got to carry the torch. So March for Life every year, marches around the state of Michigan, and we're going to do this thing because we're not going away. No, we are not. So... We always, we have been trying to end our podcast with a little, a little segment of things pro boards say. It's most of the time on Twitter. I don't know where you found this. Was it on Twitter? This is actually from the Journal of Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology and Health, their summer 2021 issue. And it's quite interesting, <laughs> um, to say the least. So... Emily, do you want to do you want to explain some points of of what this study says? Yeah, sure. So, um, and what we often do when we we bring to light kind of these these pro-abortion talking points and things that they say in this case a a study. This is not a typical pro-abortion talking point. So that's why we're talking about it's it because odd. it is odd because we're just a little I'm. Confused. Yes, yes. Confused, but also intrigued uh, by the mental hoops that this doctor, this is Dr. Uh, Claudette Nantel, um, who is a, if I believe, I have to get it right, she is a psychologist, um, but she is a regression so psychotherapist, wh whatever that is. <laughs> um, and so... So the title of this paper is called Conscience, Conscious Abortion, Engaging the Fetus in a Compassionate Dialogue. That, that's not it humor. Worse. That's, it gets that, worse. That's literally what it says. So this, this, this paper is about encouraging pregnant women, so encouraging mothers who are considering an abortion to establish a spiritual and emotional connection with the fetus inside of them. And um, after they're establishing that connection, to explain to the fetus that it's just not the right time um, <laughs> and that they, the abortion, it, it basically, I'm aborting you, it's not you, it's me. 
<laughs> is essentially what they're saying. And it, it goes and it encourages the, the other parent to do the same thing and basically to emotionally and spiritually guide the fetus through the abortion. Um, Wasn't there something about maybe before you even have to have the abortion, you can talk them into miscarrying themselves? Yes, yes. <laughs> or like transferring to another Like transferring parent. their conscience. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I don't even know if I have words for this thing. So, um, there's a section, one of the first sections is called conception is a result of the joining of three desires. So in this, in this paper, the author is arguing that women can't become pregnant unless they are consciously or unconsciously desiring to be pregnant, that the partner in the act also has to have some hidden desire to bring a life into the world. And a th I'm going to read this directly. A third desire also seems necessary for a conception to occur, that of the fetus being conceived. So the author of this is arguing that that the unborn child has a desire to be conceived in the first place. My argument would be, well, if that's the desire, pick pick a mother that wants you. Um, but it continues on after that. And I think the 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 weird thing and the interesting thing about this whole this whole paper is that. It's arguing for abortion. It's saying abortion is a good thing. It's what mothers sometimes need. It goes through this whole list of, of horrible symptoms that affect women after anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, um, PTSD, all sorts of things. And says, but, but, but. All the trauma. All of the trauma. But that's not really because of the abortion. But you need Just... to get rid of the guilt of the abortion <laughs> to make these things go away. A coincidence. What a strange coincidence, yes. Um, and it's interesting that you have this, this author, um, and it, it cites a ton, of other, a ton of other doctors and psychiatrists and, and sociologists, there are sociologists in here as well, who all say that the unborn child is conscious from the moment of conception. And that you can connect emotionally to the unborn child before seven weeks, before six weeks, from the moment of conception, but that, which obviously is saying this is a human being, right? We believe and we know that life begins at fertilization. So we know that there is a human being inside the womb. This paper, and normally, pro-abortion activists say, well, it's, it's a clump of cells. It's not actually you know, a human. You know, I feel like there's more and more pro-abortion people out there being like, yeah, I actually know that it's a real baby, and I know that it's a human, but I don't care. And I, and I am more important than they are. So this is actually not that shocking <laughs> now that I think about it, because it's like, they just don't care that it's, a yeah, human. it's all about it's all about finding a way to have a woman ease her guilty conscience. And this one line is just the consciousness of the fetus or prenate from conception to birth has been considered and established fact for many years by pre and perinatal practitioners and researchers. And I mean, it's true. That is true. 
that the conscious state of the unborn child has been an established fact for decades because we have ultrasounds. We have, uh, what are those called? Brainwaves, echocardiograms. Is that what they're called? Detecting brain waves. I'm obviously not a doctor, but we have we have the I evidence that was for the heart. That's the heart, the heartbeat. Yeah, <laughs> echo, echo. I get it now. Whatever the one is for the head. You know, don't quote me. It's fine. <laughs> it's Friday, but we we have evidence of brain activity. We have movement. We have there. It's a true living conscious human being. They can't speak for themselves yet, but they're there. They exist. Okay, and to have a whole paper say that, yeah, it's, it's established scientific fact that the baby is there and conscious, but then say, but, you know, kill it anyway. It's just that is what the pro-abortion movement is becoming. The clump mm-hmm. of cells argument, like you said, Anna, is disappearing. Yes. Because all of the science points to the fact that there is a human being there. Which is a slippery slope of, well... In today's society, society, murder is illegal. But if if pro-abortion people can come to the terms that they are, in fact, murdering their child, what's to say that they're not going to be like, well, I already know I'm murdering a child. Why not? Why can't we just make it, you know, what's what's so wrong about murdering someone else? Or going with the, the former governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, route where the baby is born and we're going to set it aside and have a conversation with the parents and whether they want to keep that baby alive or not. Um, and so w- what is the difference between a baby in the womb and a baby who is just been born and has like the umbilical cord, let's say the baby has just been born, the umbil- umbilical cord is still attached. What is the difference between that baby and 30 minutes before when the baby was still in the womb? There is none. Um, And the slippery slope has been proven time and time and time and time again. Um, And with the the constant pushes for abortion and the pushes for, now it pushes for infanticide, the pushes for euthanasia and assisted suicide, it's just, we can go back to 49 years ago when the Supreme Court said, you will make this legal or else. And it just created, like Anna, you were saying earlier, a culture of death where we no longer value human life. And that's what we're working to change and to set right and say, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are, how big you are, how old you are, where you come from. You have an inalienable right to your own life. End of story. Full stop. (laughs) <laughs> Put that on a sign and march with it. <laughs> yeah. That whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you need a billboard. I No, I don't want a billboard. But. <laughs> so, yeah, this study, we found it. We were like, this is crazy. Another crazy thing that pro boards have said. But sad. Very sad. Because it's like... It's almost worse than when they were saying, oh, it's a clump of cells, it's a clump of cells, and they were just ignorant about it. But this isn't even ignorant. This is just, yeah, you know, it's not the right time. Let's just kill the baby. Like, it's acknowledging that it's a baby, acknowledging that 
it's a human being and it has a heart and it has a brain and a consciousness and it's like, what do you do with that? How do you change someone who's already that, that too deep, you know? That far gone. It's a good question. It's, it's a lot easier to convince people in the middle, you know? People who, well, that say abortion is a, a necessary evil. Or what we used to say are, are moderates, you know? <laughs> people are like, well, I want abortion to be legal, but I don't want to participate in it. Right. That ground is disappearing very quickly. The, the fence sitters are starting to get slivers because it went from safe, legal, and rare to shout your abortion, I don't care. And where is that going to lead? So, like we say, a slippery slope. Proven fact. Yes. Well, that is about all the time we have today, so we're going to wrap it up. Um, to whoever went to the March for Life, we hope that you had a great time and that it was a great march and that it wasn't too cold. <laughs> and um, thank you for listening this week, and we hope that you have a great weekend.